Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Psalms 145 tonight. Now, I'm going to begin on Sunday morning to teach on faith, which I do every year. I teach, uh, sometimes I do it in series, sometimes I just break off every once in a while and teach on faith. You know, faith ought to be taught on constantly in churches and seminars. Everywhere you go, faith ought to be taught on because the Bible says without it, it's impossible to please God. But now on Wednesday night, I'm going to teach something that I've been studying, meditating on here for the past, oh, I don't know, it's been maybe a month or so. And I think it really needs to be taught because when it comes to the subject of faith, you can always ask yourself this question, what do you have faith in? What is your faith in? Now, everybody could say generally, well, in Jesus. Well, okay, you know, <laughs> that's kind of a, a, an easy statement to make. But if you begin to dissect it down and begin to look at really what your faith needs to be in, first of all, our faith needs to be in the power of God. Yeah. How many realize that? God is powerful. He's powerful to save. He's powerful to deliver. He's powerful to heal. He's powerful to prosper. He's powerful to baptize in the Holy Ghost. Uh, God has great power. He, he retains or pulls that power from His Word, and then He's given us His Word. Now, I want you to know it's not hard to have faith in the power of God. Now, let me say that again. It is not hard to have faith in the power of God. So I'm not going to teach or preach on the power of God. I don't think it's that hard to have faith in it. I think where we struggle is having faith in God's willingness. I think that's where people really struggle. Is okay, I know God can do it. How many people today, if you just went you know, on the street and asked him, can God do this? Or you ask him, will God do this? Just about everybody say, yeah, I know he can, but whether he will or not, Probably not for me. You know, I hadn't been good enough or, or I hadn't, you know, served God long enough or I hadn't uh, done this or done that. Isn't it amazing how we always put stipulations on God's willingness? Now, as I've been studying and looking in the Word of God, I've discovered this. God's willingness is manifest in the reality of Him allowing His mercy and compassion to be released toward you when you didn't even know it. Now let me say that again. God's willingness to do something for you is manifest in the reality of His compassion and mercy towards you when you didn't even know Him. Many of you didn't get saved any sooner than you did get saved because you really didn't know if God was willing. Amen. I've heard people make the statement, God wouldn't save me. I've heard, I've heard people make that statement. God, He knows how, what a rat I am. He knows how mean I've been. He knows how many drugs I've done. He knows what a liar I am. He knows how perverse. God wouldn't save me. Well, the good news is He's already saved you. Amen. What you've got to do is position yourself in a place to be saved. And once you get yourself in a position to be saved, then God can do anything in your life. Now, here's the thing. Positioning ourselves in a place in life where we can have faith in the mercy 
and the compassion of God. Now, the problem is for too long, we have viewed mercy as something only God gives us when we make mistakes. Amen. It is a, there is an element of that, uh, 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 an element of that to mercy or compassion, which in the New Testament, in the Greek, both those words are interchangeable, both mercy and compassion. But you must realize when the, when the lepers, the ten lepers, came to Jesus and cried out, Jesus, uh, 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 Master, have mercy on us. Well, they weren't trying to get rid of any mistake they had done. They were appealing to the mercy and the compassion of Jesus. Now, when blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He was appealing to the mercy and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or we can actually say it like this. The mercy and the compassion of God manifested through Jesus Christ. And they both got it. Amen. Amen. Now, think about this for a moment. This is a very interesting thing to meditate on. God's mercy and compassion were apparent in a lesser covenant, in the old covenant, at a time in which there seemed to be judgment uh, because of the inability of Israel to adhere to a God-given law. But that still did not discount the mercy and the compassion of God. To the point, now think about this, is so overwhelming if you can think about this. To the point that somebody, not even in the covenant, not even in the covenant, was able to appropriate the mercy and compassion of God and get healed of leprosy. Naaman the Syrian. No covenant with God. No reason for God to interact with him and provide healing for him. But he went to the right place and eventually did the right thing. And when he did the right thing and dipped in the Jordan seven times, he positioned himself into a place in which mercy and compassion could heal him of his leprosy. Amen. And he didn't have a covenant with God. Amen. Now, one of the greatest and most insidious tricks Satan has ever pulled on the body of Christ was to get the body of Christ or the church to question the mercy and compassion of God. Where today there are whole denominations, big churches, and people all over the world that claim Jesus is Lord and Savior, but they doubt His mercy and His compassion. They don't believe in healing. They don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in the delivering power of God, which means in their view, the, com the compassion and the mercy of God has lessened and the power of the adversary has strengthened. Come on, think about that for a moment. Which we know according to the Word of God is absolutely not true. One, one writer who wrote a beautiful book that actually became the pattern of many other books written on healing said it like this about the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, as uh, the compassion of God as manifested through the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if you could elevate the oceans of the world so that you could tip the oceans onto the land masses. He said the, 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 the salt water would pour onto the continents and it would look for the place of least resistance. Therefore, the mountain ranges and the, and the, and the canyons and all the, all the little places that had been dug out, all the little places in which the water could flow freely, that water would rush in with great power and great strength and just fill up the land masses. He said the same thing is true of the, of the compassion and the mercy of God. It's like the oceans 
being poured onto the, onto the land. But the problem is there's mountains of religion, mountains of denominationalism, mountains of doubt, mountains of unbelief, which cause the mercy of God not to be channeled to the place where God wants it to be channeled. Amen. Amen. Now notice, did you find Psalms 145? I've got so much on this, I'm going to try and try and get it out correctly. Look at Psalms 145. Let's just look at verse Let's just look at verse 7. That's a good place to start right there. Verse 7. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Now, do you see that in, your, in the Bible? The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Amen. Now, notice verse 9. The Lord is good to all. You know, that would have been my place if I was God to put to write it like this. The Lord is good to Israel. Or the Lord is good to King David. Amen. I, you know, I, I had a conversation with somebody. And they, they really, the conversation was really, I don't know how to describe it. It was really, it, it just kind of did something in me. Because a statement they made in this conversation was this. Man, God has blessed you. And if I could ever figure out how you figured out how to get God to bless you like that, I'd probably serve him the way you do. And I thought to myself, if I could ever figure out how to serve God the way you do. I, I mean, it was just, it was, it was such a blind side, I had no response. Number one, obviously he saw something in my life that he recognized as the blessing of God. Number two, he recognized his own inability to obtain it. Number three, he thought I had some secret I was keeping. Which I don't. I don't have any secret. I teach and preach and, and, and live for God openly just like I've always have. There's no, listen, it is not hard to position yourself in front of a God who is what? Willing to put his mercy and compassion into your life because the Bible says right here in, in Psalms 145, the Lord is good to all. To all. You're in that three-letter word. You are in that three-letter word. All means all. The Lord is good to all. The Lord is good to all. Now notice again, it says, He is gracious and full of compassion. Now these scriptures we're going to look at literally reveal the nature of God. You know, nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say God is power. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that. It says God has power, God uses power, God draws power from His Word. You can find that. But in the Word, you will find this. God is love. God is love. And until we begin to explore the depths of His mercy and compassion toward us as His children and toward humanity, then we're going to sell ourselves short when it comes to that which God desires to do. His compassion, His mercy can cause your body to be totally healed. His compassion and mercy can bless your finances. 
His compassion and mercy can deliver you from any addiction, can get depression out of your life. His compassion and mercy. But our problem is we don't position ourselves in a place in which that compassion and mercy can flow to us. It says in Revelation, he stands at the door and knocks. doesn't say he kicks it down. You've got to make a decision whether or not you're going to open the door or whether you're going to position yourself. Now, in studying the Gospels, that's what's so amazing about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ because the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years was God speaking to us about His mercy and compassion. And those that positioned themselves to receive mercy and compassion received it every time. And He identified the force that helped them to receive as faith. But the virtue that flowed out of him, that touched the woman with the issue of blood, that healed blind Bartimaeus, that cleansed the ten lepers, the mercy, I mean the, uh, the force or the power that did that was the compassion and the mercy of God. Amen? Amen. That, that, that's interesting. Go, go to Acts 10 real quick. Let me show you something. Acts chapter 10, the story of Cornelius. People desiring to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, I, I don't know today... You know, we, we see people maybe two to three to four times a year that come up and get baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You should want to be healed. I mean, you should want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, you should want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You say, why is that? Because it's part of the redemptive package. Salvation is the entrance, is the door into the redemptive package. Baptism of the Holy Ghost is your empowerment. Healing delivers your body from bondage, sickness, and disease. Prosperity blesses you so you can walk in the blessings of God. Deliverance helps you get rid of depression, addictions, all that kind of stuff. You have to desire to go in and get that stuff. It is a type of, I mean, I mean the, the, uh, uh, the nation of Israel going in and possessing the promised land is a type of the believer going in and possessing those promises. Everybody say, I want mine. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to have been in Israel way back then and, and everybody's getting their ranch and their farm or their city or this or that, and I got nothing. Amen? I'd want to get what belonged to me by right, inheritance. You should, you should want what belongs to you. Amen? If you're born again, the baptism of the Holy Ghost belongs to you. If you're born again, healing belongs to you. If, if you're born again, deliverance belongs to you which means delivered from everything from uh, addictions to uh, not being able to sleep, belongs to you. Now, just a couple of scriptures here. Look at verse 44, Acts chapter 10. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. Now, wait a minute. Notice that again. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now, this shows us that there was an interruption in the teaching of the word or the preaching of the word. Amen? Which shows us, number one, there was an eagerness on God's part. Everybody say eager. I mean, God was, he was, he was right there going, as soon as they get just an inkling of faith, I'm going to pour myself on these people. Amen? I mean, it just shows us God was eager. He didn't even let his preacher get finished. 
He didn't even let him get to the amen, didn't let him take the offering, didn't let him do nothing like that. He just fell on the crowd. They all begin to speak in other tongues. We're all baptized in the Holy Ghost. But now back up a few verses. Let me show you something. Verse uh, 33, he's speaking here with Peter. He says, immediately, therefore, I sent forth to thee. And now thou hast well done that thou art come. This is Cornelius speaking to Peter. Now listen to what he says. Now, therefore, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Now, now notice again. He says, Cornelius' words, Now, therefore, we are all here present before God. To hear. People say, it doesn't matter if you come to church or not. I'm going to tell you. I keep telling people. There is an element of truth in the Word of God. Jesus says what? Whether two or three are gathered. That is a corporate reality. Whether two or three, that, that denotes structure. That denotes government. And here's the thing. God is not going to move outside His established government. Now, let me try that again. So many people, that's what they want. They want God to do it their way. Do it my way. Lord, do it my way. Lord, do it my way. He's not going to do it your way. He has established his government through the blood of his own son, given us a documentation of it, and said, now, here is the pattern that you must follow, and if you can position yourself in this pattern, I'm telling you, there will be times the preacher won't even be able to get finished, and people will start getting healed, and people will start getting set free, and people will start getting delivered. And Cornelius, for some reason, knew that. And notice what he said. He said, now, therefore, we are all here. We're all present before God to hear. It says of Jesus several times in the Gospels that the multitudes gathered to hear and be healed. Everybody say, hear and be healed. Now, I'm telling you, you got to understand... Hearing is a constant. It is a repetitive thing that must go on over and over and over and over in your life. There needs to be a personal hearing in which you are hearing from God personally, from His Word and by His Spirit. Then there needs to be a corporate hearing where you're being taught the Word of God and the Holy Ghost is ministering unto you and allowing revelation to rise up in you. The primary way, oh, people get so upset when you say this, but it's true. The primary way you receive revelation knowledge from God, which helps you position yourself for that mercy and grace to flow into your life, is through teaching and preaching. You say, well, I don't believe that. Then you're going to have to take Romans 10 out of your Bible. You're going to just go ahead and tear Romans 10 out of your Bible. And while you're at it, just rip Ephesians 4 right out of your Bible too. Amen. And you're going to, well, let me see. What else are you going to have to tear out? You're going to have to tear out 1 Corinthians 13, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, because they talk about, and you have to rip out, let's see, you have to rip out Romans 12. You say, what do you mean? Those are all scriptures that have to do with the teaching and the preaching of the word. Oh, yeah, you're going to have to get rid of Matthew 16. 
I could probably go on and on if I thought. You say, what do you mean? These are all scriptures that relate to us gathering together according to the government of God, His kingdom, the way He has set things up so that revelation knowledge can flow and you can position yourself for the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God to come flooding into your life. Cornelius did it. He got it right. He gathered everybody. He got his family. He got his soldiers. He got everybody he knew. He got everybody he knew. And he got them all together and said, now we are here to hear what has been commanded us of God. And they're sitting there, and they're, and they're hearing and hearing, and God said, that's enough, and poured the Holy Ghost out on top of them. Amen. Amen? Sometimes we don't realize that. And we try to violate it and try to get God to, it's not going to happen your way. And, you know, there's always someone, well, I know somebody that did, I know somebody. No, no, no. Here's the deal. God, forever, O oh Lord, your word is what? Settled in heaven. There are settled realities. One, one, one gentleman, when he was alive, ran a healing school out in Spokane, Washington, John G. Lake. They had 105,000. Now think about that. In five years, 105,000 documented miracles. Amen. But what they did is they brought people in, many of them given a death sentence. And they did not minister to them through the gifts of the Spirit or many times even the laying on of hands. The, the, the course was designed to get you to a point where hands were laid on you and you were ministered to by the laying on of hands according to Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 16. Believers shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Many of the people that worked as teachers in that healing school were just housewives and businessmen and, and, and just people that worked out in the community were part of that church. But they would sit down with these people one-on-one, sometimes one-on-two or one-on-three or one-on-five, and teach the Word on healing, 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 and teach the Word until all of a sudden some, something would click. And many times it was documented that the people would get up, stand up, get up out of a wheelchair, get up healed, and say, you don't even need to pray for me, and walk off healed. You say, why? They were just positioning themselves to hear that which was commanded of God and the mercy and the compassion of God just flowed out to it. And we begin to recognize that it's there. It's available. All we got to do is do what God says to get it. And that mercy and compassion can flow in such a mighty way. That's why we saw such a great outpouring on Sunday. People gathered to what? To hear. And it was just like you, just like you flipped a switch and the gifts of the Spirit were in operation. Just like you flipped a switch, switch and the presence of God was here. Just like you flipped a switch and the anointing began to move and begin to flow. Literally, God, He wants to do these things more than you desire for it to be done. There is an overwhelming eagerness in God to heal you, to bless you, to deliver you, to set you free, to prosper you. He's so eager to do it. Now, real quick, how's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Go to 2 Corinthians. Look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, this will help some of you tonight. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice this. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now, I want you to see that plainly because most of the time when men and women, 
get up to teach on mercy, they only teach on it in relationship to the sinner. Uh, Titus. What's the scripture in Titus? Not by works of righteousness which we have performed, but according to his mercies. Singular. But now this is the word mercies. Plural. Which means in God, there are mercies. Amen. That means there's mercy for your body. Mercy for your finances. Mercy for your family. Mercy for your marriage. Mercy for, you name it. Whatever that you need. Mercy for which is the ability of God which to stop from happening to you what should happen to you. Amen. Amen. There are things that just should happen to us because of the natural progression of life. Amen. There, there, there's people right now that are like, you know, I'm sick, I've got the flu, I've got this. And we, I'm never, never critical of people that get the flu. It tried to attack me last year, and I missed, missed our Christmas service. But I was healed by the next day. It took me a whole day to stand against that nasty stuff. But this year, I was on my guard. Every day. Thank you, Father. Jesus was wounded for my transgression, bruised for... Lee and I both have been speaking and speaking and worshiping and thanking and keeping ourselves in the place where the mercy and the compassion of God can get to us. Amen? Because all things being equal, about one out of every four people right here should have the flu right now. But the mercies of God for those that will what? Position themselves in the place where that mercy can flow. It will, you say, well, what if you come down with it tomorrow? I'm going to resist it with all the mercy and compassion that God has and all the faith I can muster. People always come up with the what ifs. But the mercies of God, my goodness, we live in a dispensation called the acceptable year of the Lord. And the enemy has fought overtime to try to get the church to discount the mercy and the compassion of God as being something inactive. Or, now this is a tough one, only delegated at His sovereign will. Well, He's going to heal this one over here, but this one over there is going to have to suffer. Well, we judge that by His ultimate expression of mercy and compassion being salvation. And at what point would God reject a sinner? There is none. There is no place nor point, circumstance nor situation. I mean, you, 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 uh, what, was a, uh, what was her name? The, the, the axe murders that uh, was uh, executed and, well, why would, would God save her? Why? Why would God save her? Why would God save her? She should have been judged. She was judged by the state. That's why they had to do what they did. But God did not judge her. You say, why? Her judgment was poured out upon Jesus. Amen. And up, upon her, I'm, I'm so sorry, it took uh, uh, that place in that prison for her to position herself into a place where the mercy and compassion of God could touch. But she did. Amen. And the mercy and the compassion of God 
came in. Now, if that shows God's willingness to do that for somebody in that much sin. Now, think about this. What, would, what makes you think that he would not be overwhelmingly trying to get his mercy and compassion to his children who serve him? Amen. Amen. But our resistance, you say, what resistance? We resist it. That's what we're trying to break down. That's what I'm going to teach on this in coordination with teaching on faith. Because some of you, if you listen to what I'm talking to you about, speaking to you about, your faith in God's mercy and compassion is going to rise to another level, and you're going to instantaneously receive what you're believing God for. Till Osborne made the statement of, of, he said, uh, I don't claim, this is what he said. He said, I do not claim to operate in any of the gifts of the Spirit. He says, what I do is I preach Jesus till his compassion and his mercy shows up and starts healing the people. I listened to a testimony of a, of, a, of, a, of a businessman from Tulsa who was with him in Java, and he said, the only light, he says, the darkest night you could ever believe. He says, there was clouds, there was darkness. He said, all there was was a few light bulbs uh, screwed into a, a, a string of lights around a sign that said, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, to, today, and forever. 250,000 people and Brother Osborne up there preaching Jesus. How much he loves you. How much compassion God has for you. God's mercy and compassion is, is realized in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to save you. He wants to heal you. He wants to touch your body. He wants to set you free. He wants, and, and this guy, this guy testified he said a huge shaft of light came down out of the sky and began to move around that crowd. He said it hit a crippled person and the crippled person would get up and run. It hit a blind person and a blind person's eyes would be open. It hit a deaf person and a deaf. And Brother Osborne just kept on preaching and kept on preaching as that light moved all around that crowd, healing thousands of people by the mercy and the compassion of God. Amen. Amen. And most of those people were heathens. And we struggle with a common cold or the flu. We're missing something, church. Our faith in His mercy and His compassion must be tempered by our faith in His willingness. We must have faith in His willingness. Now, real quick. I don't know if I'm going to get to all my scriptures. Ah, let me do this one. I had several for tonight. Go to Second Chronicles. This will be a good one to close with. I got to all of them, but one. That's good. I can pick, it up, pick up on that next week. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Now, this is back in the Old Covenant. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Look at verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose hearts are perfect toward him. Now, can you, do you see that in your Bible? The eyes of the Lord are doing what? That means he's looking all around. He's looking all around to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong. Now, if you go study that, that word strong in other translations, some translations is to show himself merciful. 
Other translations say to show himself compassionate. Other translations say to show himself powerful. Other One translation says to show himself as a deliverer. Now, I wrote this down when I was studying this the other day. We must realize that in God, and I've mentioned it once, there is this eager yearning in him to show himself as a merciful God. God, just like you don't want a reputation that's not true about you. Now, just think about that. If somebody was making up a reputation and writing books about you and, and getting up and holding seminars about you and telling things that were completely untrue and not right, you wouldn't like that. You wouldn't appreciate that. Well, how many people over the years have got up and talked about how God doesn't heal and God doesn't deliver and God doesn't set free and God is really not showing his mercy anymore and there's no compassion in God anymore and God is the one that gave this person cancer and God is the one that took this person's child and God is the one that made this business go into bankruptcy and God's doing this and God's doing that just to strengthen your piety somehow. I don't think God appreciates that. And I think that he's looking for a people that are willing to be the people he's talking about whose eyes stop and say, there they are. There they are right there. Somebody that is willing to position themselves in a place. Now, you know, people are always coming up with the cost factor of things. What's this going to cost me? No, no, you know, they just, well, what's this going to cost me? I believe the reason that that mentality is in the church today is because we have not seen the depth of the compassion and mercy that God wants to release in the church. So for everything that an individual as a believer thinks they need from God or want from God, they want to know what it's gonna, what's it going to cost me. Because I'm busy, I don't have time. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of money to give you, preacher. And not only that, you know, I've got issues. Everybody's got issues. And so we start this list. I call it the resistance list. Amen. Of how long we're going to stay in our place trying to get God to do it our way. Instead of just go ahead and yielding to God and let God do it His way. Amen. And I think that what that does is that gets into people's lives. And whenever, whenever you get involved in something that alienates you from the grace, the mercy, and the compassion of God, especially if anyone around you is experiencing it or tasting it. Now, let me, let me say that again so you understand what I'm saying. Anytime you position yourself in a place where you are in need, of the mercy, the compassion, or the grace of God, and your faith to activate it to bring a provision of God into your life. And it ain't working for you, but it's working for other people around you. Testimonies in your church, things you're hearing God does for other people. You immediately fall into victim mentality. It's exactly as I call it the John chapter 5 syndrome, man by the miracle pool. Which the miracle pool was a total 100% manifestation of the mercy and compassion of God. Which took only one act of obedience and one dram of faith. Believe that's an angel stirring the pool. Get in first. 
And if you did it, what did you get? The mercy and compassion of God. So I'm guaranteeing he probably wasn't the only one, but there were probably a lot of people that went there the first time and were very thrilled because it happened. Maybe it was a leper that got cleansed. Maybe it was a blind person that got healed. Maybe it was a, uh, somebody uh, that was a cripple and they came out of the water and they were walking. Then it happened again. And it happened again, and it happened again, and it happened again, and it happened again. And that went on for a year, and that went on for five years. Well, you no longer willingly go there. Amen. When you do go, you go in hope. But it's not spiritual hope, it's human hope. Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? Human hope is always mixed with an element of doubt. I've seen it happen, but it ain't going to happen for me. See that guy over there? He used to be blind. See that guy over there? He used to be a cripple. See that lady over there? She used to be deaf. See that, la see that guy over there? He used to be a leper. Now notice this. Faith in what God has done, no faith in what he can do. Now let me try that again. Because that happens all the time. Faith in what he has. He did. He did. He did. He did. He did. He did. Faith. Amen. And what he has. What does, what does religion celebrate? Religion all over this island on Sunday. In churches as dead as the wood in this pulpit. We'll get up and celebrate what God did while denying what he's doing now. Why? They love God. They wouldn't go to that church. Come on. They love God. They yearn for any. We take it so for granted. The presence of God here is more relevant when nobody's even in this building than it is in those churches when they're packed out in full. They love God. They go service after service after service with that same kind of human hope. Amen. And they celebrate David killing Goliath. They celebrate the woman with the issue of blood being healed. They celebrate blind Bartimaeus. But then they deny, why? Generations of victimization. Grandma was a Christian and she died. Uncle Bob loved the Lord and he died. Well, we don't know about Grandma and Uncle Bob. But what you've got to recognize is in the midst of that, who shows up? Mr. Mercy. Sir Compassion. And he did not come to patronize the man's victimization. He didn't do it. He didn't show up and put his arm around him and say, oh, man, I'm so sorry you had to go through all this. Oh, man, I tell you, it's really been tough on you. I know you saw all these people get healed. You've been sick a long time. I'd have, saw, I'd have showed up sooner. I just wasn't around. I hadn't been anointed yet. I hadn't been baptized with John. John wasn't in his ministry. I mean, I'm sorry it took me so long to get here, but I'm here now, and I'm going to do a miracle just to show you I'm God. Ain't what happened. Ain't what happened. He showed up and asked this man this. Will you be made whole? Which is a statement of mercy and compassion. Because it located him as, oh my goodness. Should I stop with that, Lord? As the one responsible 
for his condition. People don't like to hear that. They don't want to hear that. But it located him as the one responsible. Will you be made whole? But then he gave him a word. All you need is one word from God. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. And that was his word of mercy, his word of compassion. And what did the guy do? He just got up. Even though he had been victimized by that. So we must understand something. Our faith, we're going to teach you on faith on Sundays. You're going to know more about faith than you've known in a long time. Our faith must be in our Heavenly Father's nature. Jesus is the author and the finisher. And it takes nothing to believe in His power. His power holds that sun in the sky. His power holds that moon in the sky. His power causes, these, causes the seasons to change. His power is evident all over the earth. Romans 1 says if we look at nature and deny God's power, we're fools. Amen. You can go to the worst beer joint on the island and go in there, and they probably want one person in there question the power of God. But when it comes to God's willingness to do it for them, and his mercy and compassion, which he yearns to pour out upon people. That's when they begin to question. Well, I went to a church, and they, they taught that all that's done away with. Well, I, you know, I, I, I prayed and didn't get a prayer answered. And I, you know, I, I did that. And there's always, it's just like the man at the miracle pool. But then what happens is here comes a word from God. Here comes the word of God which identifies, first thing it did was identify you. Will you be made whole? Secondly, imparted the, the word necessary to release that power. And when that power was released, all those years, could you imagine how quickly all those years of being disappointed by everybody else being healed got erased just like that? In one snap of the finger, all those years were erased just like that because of God's mercy and God's compassion. Isn't that good? Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you tonight. Lord, we're so grateful for your word that reveals throughout the word, throughout the Bible, the great revelation of the God of all mercy and compassion, evident under the old covenant, even more evident through the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ as your mercy and power begin to become manifestly evident after Jesus rose from the dead and poured his blood, not on the grace seat, not on the judgment seat, but on the mercy seat. The only altar in your throne room is the mercy seat, the mercy seat of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for stopping from happening to us that which should happen to us because we live on a fallen planet, because we have deteriorating bodies, because we have an adversary called the devil, great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. We rejoice in them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You love the Lord tonight. Stand on your feet. We'll be dismissed. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that the light 
is coming on in our hearts. Let us be people of your mercy and of your compassion. We want to receive that mercy. We want to receive that compassion. We want to revel in it. We want to enjoy the full benefit of it. But Father, just like you do, we want to distribute it and get it to other people that need it. In Jesus' name. Father, during this week, as we are returning to our workplaces, the holidays are behind us. We thank you for your provision of protection and safety. As we declare your word, Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Whether we travel on the highway or the airway, the railway, the seaway, or any other way of travel or transportation, we thank you, Father. We are protected and kept. The righteous labor of our hands, whether we ride the streets of this island, whether we're working in a, a, a medical facility up in the petrochemical plants, in sales, or any other endeavor of righteousness, maybe our own business, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your promotion. Thank you for your increase. Thank you for protection. Thank you we're not subject to trauma nor terror, evil plans of wicked men, nor Satan himself, but we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you for doors of utterance. Lord, personally, let the fire of evangelism stir in us. Let us go forth from Island Church, distributors of that word of mercy, that word of compassion that will touch the hearts of men and women. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.